To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. And we've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Billy Ekofo from Leading Real Estate Companies of the World. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Million Dollar Podcast. And welcome to our special guest today, Shannon Cutler. Hello, Shannon. Morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And so I'm going to read your bio real quick because I think our listeners should be interested. So Shannon Cutler is a dedicated realtor of six years who practices a successful business on Vancouver Island. Now, for the non-initiated, Vancouver Island is a very wonderful place. Please say yes, Shannon. It's beautiful. It's snow go. to surf. We have everything. That's it. So if you've never been, you just mark it um, on your calendar. So Shannon comes to real estate after spending 18 years in the RCMP. For the non-initiated, the RCMP is the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Because of this, Shannon is uniquely positioned to offer guidance and real-life experience in the high-risk area associated with realtors. She also recognizes the risk realtors face and has utilized her experience to aid in the development of sound principles that both new and seasoned realtors can employ to enhance their personal safety. Welcome again, Shannon. Glad to have you here. Um, it's also very uh, apropos in terms of topics because September is Realtor Safety Month. And so having someone with your experience to talk about it, um, it's something we really wanted to get to our audience and listeners as well. I think the burning question that I have to start this thing with is how someone who spent just about 18 years as an officer decides one day to make the transition to real estate, right? And so this is my opening question to you. And so I'm sure there's a story there. I will let you go into it. It's a bit of a story, but it's probably not as exciting as um, you may think. But so... I had spent um, 18 years in a variety of areas in British Columbia. And as I was around 17 years, I got injured on the job and was working at getting back, um, back to full duties. And it's the Canadian government allows a box. And if you fit into the box, <laughs> they know what to do with you. And if you don't fit into the box, they're not quite sure what to do with you. So I was offered a few postings around Canada and I didn't want to move my family. I didn't want to, um, to change our lifestyle. So I was trying to think of what kind of transferable skills that I have after that many years policing and uh, real estate's always interested me. So I took my licensing course while I was figuring out whether or not I was going to be able to get back to full duties. And I was basically told I was going to be stuck behind a desk looking for historical missing people for the next eight years until I was ready to retire. And right. I was just hitting, I was just turning 40 and I wasn't ready to sit behind a desk for the next 10 years or so. So I, um, I took an early retirement and took my real estate license and I'm just coming up on my, um, up on seven years. So I'm haven't looked well back. Done. So you passed yeah. year five. So, you know, now you, you stuck with it. Stuck with it. Yes. 
It's awesome. So I guess, you know, that answers the question, what drew you into real estate? Because you have several options, right? So I know you, you say you were looking a little bit at what other options were being offered to the RCMP, didn't like it. Was there anywhere else you were like, you know, that may be of interest to me. Let me attempt to even look into it. Yeah, I I was looking at um, law school as a mature student. All right. Well, now um, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was I was looking at doing. Uh, I have a degree in um, in psychology, so I was looking at maybe getting into some um, counseling with uh, sexual assault victims, working for a university, building programs for um, campus safety. But I. I wanted a switch. I needed, I felt honestly at that point, I was being drugged down by some of the negative parts of the job. And mm-hmm. I have a young family and I really just wanted to get back to being a happy and part of the community that doesn't see the bad stuff all the time. And real estate is a, is a job where I meet people um, that like me, that want me there. And, you know, it's a, it's a happy place. And I find it a very, um, I, that's kind of why I, I chose to not go down the path of anything to do with criminality or, or victims or anything. I just needed to find something that would be positive change at that point. And I made, I feel like I made the right choice. Definitely. No, I, I think you did too. Um, I have a personal bias to real estate. So, but if you're going to practice real estate, Vancouver Island, I mean, come on. Come um, on. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there are worse places to do it. Vancouver Island is just, you know, it, it's very beautiful place. So, but I don't know that many people really understand a little bit about the market. So I'm curious if you could share, you know, what is the real estate market in Vancouver Island? I think everybody is sort of familiar with Vancouver, right? Or the, the big city, but then, you know, whether you take the boat or the seaplane, you find yourself in this, I think a really wonderful place, right? So what's real estate like over there? Well. It's interesting. I've never been asked that question before. See, this um, is why you're here. This is, this is why you're here. <laughs> We're a non-high density environment. So it's a very sprawl. I mean, I know it's limited because we're on an island, but it's a sprawling type of landscape here where you have a lot of rural properties very that, that closely border um, the smaller cities. And Victoria probably is our biggest city. And even Victoria is not a high density type of place. It's a lot of residential, sort of sprawling residential. We have a lot of space, a lot of trees and forests and a lot of wilderness, which is just the most wonderful thing about, about being here. Um, yeah, that's really, you know, you're, you're looking at semi-rural and city. Yeah. But if most people from a big city were to come to the island, they wouldn't find any of our cities an actual city. Because Oh, interesting. Yeah. So who, then, who right? Who comes to buy real estate there? I mean, I think you have local, maybe Canadians that do it. Like, do you have any foreign buyers coming in? Uh, you know, and I, I think some of our listeners are well aware of the ban, right? So let's, ban. yeah, let's park that for a moment. But like on the normal market circumstances, who comes to Victoria to say, you know, or to you know the island and say, I want to purchase real estate there? Well, before. The pandemic, we had a lot of people in the Vancouver, Okanagan area that wanted to monopolize on the high prices over there. So they would 
sell at 2 million, come by here at 800,000, have a beautiful oceanfront property and have lots of money in the bank and quit, quit working at, you know, 35 years of age or, you know, that kind of thing. And then we had a lot of foreign buyers, um, especially from Asia coming over and buying property here. That would be an income property. Sure. Since uh, the pandemic, we have anybody who's looking for a little space. The Vancouver people now realize that their money's not going to go as far here. However, they're coming here because they don't want to live in the high density situation anymore. And they realize they can work remotely as you know, post pandemic, everybody can, most people can work remotely. And we have a huge uh, forest fire issue in British Columbia. It was a really bad, bad year. And so a lot of the Okanagan folks who are in the forest fire zone are feeling this is not, no pun intended, are feeling the heat. So they are coming down here um, to get away, you know, to a more, I guess, temperate environment. But with the, yeah, and then the foreign buyers ban, it's not as, it's not as bad as it seems. And we still have people, um, if the political climate in the U.S. is bad, we also have a lot of Americans (laughs) Um, there was a period a couple of years ago when one of the most Google terms was how to move from the U S to Canada. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, a lot of friends of mine have made that search. Um, I'm -hmm. still waiting for them to say, you know what, we're biting the bullet and doing it. It's like, you know, so, but in any event, we can, that's another, another topic. (laughs) (laughs) That's another podcast in itself right there. Um, which is, it's interesting, you know, and so I always see, you know, Vancouver Island. So Victoria and Nanaimo, like the whole place is like a destination market, right? Like once you're there, and maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen many people saying, you know what, I'm leaving that area to go somewhere else, right? So it's more or less attracting people there, you know, and some of the things you've spoken on, you know, the quality of life and just access to nature. um, it, It is a beautiful area. And so one day, maybe, you know, when I... I don't know, sold a couple businesses. Maybe I'll call you, Shannon, and say, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Come back and visit. Yeah, and then never leave, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like all my American friends that have said the same. So, and have yet to do it. We're still right. waiting on them. All right, so let's move from there to realtor safety. You and I were talking about this not too long ago. So I, I want to set up the stage for our listeners. So when I got licensed, I... You know, you read through the material and it's great. And it's talking about the safety for the public and how we should be conscientious of resources and the amount of access we as realtors have. But then nowhere in there, if I really saw anything about, well, how to keep yourself safe, right? And so then now here we are, September is Realtor Safety Month. And so Realtor Safety has become really an issue, not an issue, let's just say that. It's an issue of conversation, like a topic of conversation. You know, because of certain things that happened, you know, whether it's recently or in the past that caused people to really, real, you know, come to terms with the fact that we, we are more or less in a vulnerable state when we do the business. So from your perspective, right, talk to, talk to me about it. What is Shannon's perception on safety for a real estate agent? Well, it's, it's a bit interesting because just from my background policing, I feel and maybe over sometimes I I'm overconfident but I feel getting into real estate I was confident I'm aware of everything I know what's going on and I'm not concerned about my safety because I've never really I mean I've thought about it on the job at my previous job but coming in 
to real estate, I sat down with two ladies in my brokerage one day at lunchtime, and they had been talking about a fellow who was had been stalking them at their open houses. And he wasn't doing anything besides being creepy, but they looked the same, these women, same physical description. And he would just come and do these really creepy things. And so I told them like, well, why don't you tell them to beat it and get out of there? And sure. they said, well, we can do that. <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, do people not like, you're just regular people. This is just another right. regular person. Like, do you not know how to address these things with somebody who d- makes you uncomfortable? Like, what would you do if this guy approached you at the mall? Mm. Would you treat him the same? So I realized within the first couple of weeks that we are in a unique position um, where we meet strangers quickly, sometimes remote or dangerous or just different locations all the Mm -hmm. time and aren't always prepared for those situations. Um, So right away, I started talking about it. I think it was within the first couple of weeks or months that I had gotten into real estate. And I had a, a fellow, I did an open house for somebody right off the bat. And I had a fellow that may or may not have been the same guy that was bothering these two ladies, um, come in and same thing. He came to a couple of my open houses and I saw him in a couple of coffee shops the same week, which I thought was very odd. And I thought, okay, we need, this may or may not be coincidence, but we need to start talking about this and start, you know, being smarter about how we do our business and keep ourselves safe. So how do you approach that conversation with other realtors, right? Because look, when we talk, it's always, what do you have to sell? Well, you know, I got, I got this magnificent villa or whatever. Like the topic of safety doesn't really, again, this is Billy's, feel free to correct me too. I don't see that as being a day-to-day conversation because the nature of the conversations we have, it's always revolves around you know, the sale of the homes, the particulars about the sale or industry news, you know, when it comes to maybe the law that's changed, but like the topic of safety doesn't really come into play. So you'd say, you just said that you took upon yourself to have more of these conversations with other Mm -hmm. realtors. Like, how do you start with it? Well, what I did is I put it on the agenda for the next office meeting and talked to just my office in general about a few things that I would do. Um, and I did ask about safety training because I was so new. And then I went to our, um, my brokerage and the head office. And I asked to put on a subject matter expert training for our entire company. And I also went to our local real estate board, the Vancouver Island real estate board, And I approached them with the idea of building a real estate safety course that would be um, delivered and people would get credits for it because we have a certain amount of credits training, ongoing development we have to get each licensing cycle. So I went to them to develop a course for, um, for our board. And I've done that now for a couple of boards. And the next step I would say would probably be to maybe see if we can get this as a mandatory training across the, across the country would be ideally ideal, but that's where I started anyways, was I just branched out as far as I could, um, to try and reach as many people as I could in quick time. Cause that's the most important thing is to get people hearing the information and get people talking about it, or even just thinking about it a little bit. 
Yeah. And so what are some of the misconceptions agents have, in your opinion, about safety, right? Like about their own safety? Well, I find, and this isn't not trying to be stereotypical, but I find that men don't think it's an issue for them at all. They don't think it's an issue for them because it's, and so the last couple of courses I've taught have had, say there's 20 people on the course, you know, maybe there's three, three men. And I'm just happy that they've turned up because they will take that information back to their brokerage. So that's, what's important. Um, but that's number one is that men don't think that they have any risk really. Um, and number two, people think that they are more prepared for something to happen than they actually are. Um, or they just don't really think it's, you know, an issue, but I am finding that the more people I talk to about this, the more agents I talk to, they all say, Oh my gosh, we all need, we all need training. This all should be mandatory. So I am finding that especially the female agents I talk to, they're all very uh, interested and on board and want to hear more about this. I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Yeah, do it. Uh, because, you know, and you mentioned something and it, it got me per- just a little bit of percolating in my head um, if, about the fact that men don't really approach this, uh, this topic. Or, you know, to some extent, it's not really an area of concern, but, you know, directly. I will have to say, you know, so the making of the industry you know, if you were to put some percentages there, you're looking about 65 to 75% women, um, depending on where you are, you know. Well, in the United States, is probably 65, 35%, you know, and but nationally, like there's still a very much a larger population of women that are, you know, in, in the industry and men are sort of the minority, right? And so, um, of course, when you're looking just that, you can say, okay, this is the number of people you know, when you when you have the divide, the people who are most affected will be women. I also find it interesting that, you know, and maybe this is an ego thing that sometimes, you know, I never when I sold real estate, I never went into a situation where I felt like the need to think about safety, um, partially because I, it just never came up. Um, but, you know, to your point, it, it, that's probably a misconception that we all have. Like we we, we like to think that we are, you know we're not vulnerable in this sense. And that's probably one of the few, <laughs> this is the first point of error that, you know, just when you think you're safe, you probably are not. Um, and so I, I, I think for guys, you know, and maybe I'll get, <laughs> I'll get ping about this, but I think guys, sometimes we have this chip on our shoulders. We think we are, you know, nothing can hurt us and we have everything. We can manage every situation or at least, be more confident about it, where in fact, we should be a little bit humble and maybe have more conversations surrounding that. So, yeah, like it's interesting. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, I showed a foreclosure property and I had um, my client who's a construction worker and his elderly father with me. And the fellow that owned the property was camping inside and I knocked on the door and he immediately went from zero to a hundred and he was screaming, frothing at the mouth, mm. red, red zone, couldn't see anything. He wasn't hearing anything. And so for me, I just went into calm, <laughs> my, my weird calm mode to, to be able to diffuse it. But at the same time, as I was trying to, like I backed down the stairs, we were on a closed porch, walked away into the yard to give myself some space. And I started to try and talk to him calmly. He wasn't going to calm down, but he was between me and my clients. They 
we're cowering in a corner. Um, and so if we were all on the ground, we would have just gotten our cars and left because there's no reason I don't need to show any property bad enough to deal with that. And I do, my clients do not need to be at risk, um, you know, at all. So once I was, I wanted him just to calm down enough just to get out of the way. So my clients could come down the stairs and we could leave. Um, and so I just kept talking to him calmly and eventually he did calm down and they came down and we got a, you know, another agent involved. And then I just kept an eye on that guy while they went and, and viewed the property. Um, we were able to get in, but that type of situation could be a man or a woman agent coming to show the property. And most people, whether it doesn't matter your gender, you're going to not be prepared for something like that. Um, I know a few agents probably would just burst into tears. Other people would maybe want to confront this guy or fight him back and, you know, all the things, but there's not enough, you know, we're not trained to do that kind of thing. We're just trained to, you know, protect our clients, look out for the best interest, show properties, that kind of thing. So that was one example that just happened a few weeks ago um, that I found could have been anybody. And it was pretty a pretty high-risk situation um, given the type of industry that we're in now, that I'm in now, yeah. Yeah, so do you recommend... So I, I've read a couple other people uh, said something about maybe, you know, through open houses, you know, the conversation about, okay, we from the same office, we should take care of each other, right? As agents from the same office. Um, so not doing anything by yourself anymore. Like if you're going to go, you know, if someone has the ability to go, you know, as a pair to a showing, utilize that, right? Um, if you have someone requesting an appointment later on in the day and you don't feel comfortable, reach out to someone else in the office um, to come with you or, you know, establish some safety measure within an office. Would you recommend that as something people should think about? And if so, why? Yeah, definitely. I mean, most people in our society are too busy to take time. However, it can be um, like a situation of reciprocity where you, you know, you, you help each other out just to keep each other safe. There, I mean, there's, I have a whole course on all the things that I would suggest to do, you know, to avoid a, a situation that is high risk because nothing is, is worth a high risk situation um, no matter what's on the table. But going in pairs is a great option. It's not always an option for people, depending on where you are or these rural properties that we um, often represent, depending. But if it's an option, yeah. And, and I mean, even with open houses, some of agents now are offering to other industry experts. So taking a mortgage broker with you, taking a home inspector with you, taking, you know, I don't know, so, anybody that is somewhat in the industry to come and join you and they can represent, you know, pitch their business while, you, while you're at the open house, as well as have somebody else present. Um, so it's kind of like a double, a win-win for them too. Yeah. My wife is in the, the title business and sometimes during the weekend she goes and visits open houses and I always tell her, take one of our knuckleheads of boys with you. Um, they happen to be tall. And so people always think, She's their sister. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird dynamic, but you know, there's something about having someone else with you, um, you know, in a situation where you might not, you know, it might be clearly vulnerable for you. And so um, I think that topic has, has come up. And so I was just curious to see, you know, among the many recommendations 
that you make, right? You mentioned that maybe this is this is a good idea. Um, do you have another one or a couple other ones that you will say, okay, in addition to going in twos, here's what Shannon will recommend from a safety perspective that you should do. One of the biggest things that we're all guilty of is rushing. Oh, I'm rushing. gonna stop you there. <laughs> you just hit on something. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Talk to me more. Why yeah. do you think that is? Well, depending on the your background and where you come from, you know, we're not, I don't believe this is a sales industry. I think it's a relationship business, but sometimes we don't have the opportunity to form solid relationships with people before you're hitting the road. So taking a few minutes to slow your process down, to slow your business down is really important. And any business that's going to be legitimate business is going to be there in five minutes and it's going to be there in an hour. And if it's not, you don't want it because it's too high maintenance or there's a red flag there. So my, my number one takeaway at the courses to start with everything is to slow it down and take five minutes to query to Google, to open source, check your, uh, client, um, to find out a little bit about them, to meet them for the first time on a voice, like a Skype call, zoom at the, at the office, if possible, somewhere where you can sit down and have a, an actual conversation with them and ask a few questions that ensures they're coming to see you for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons. And it's, there's, there's so many, there's so, so many things you can do, but it's just taking a few minutes to ask a couple questions, take your time. And if you're going to a remote location or an unfamiliar location, can you take somebody? And if not, let's Google map this and, and read the listing and really figure out where we're going, uh, what's around us and how, you know, how we can make ourselves safe as we're, you know, just taking that, that time. Um, I, I, can I tell you a little story? Yes. Okay. I, I've been waiting for it. <laughs> okay. I've been waiting for the story. Let's so go. So when I went to my brokerage originally to say, we need to talk about this, we did this subject matter expert and there was about 230 agents on the call. And it was an hour long, a little bit of a you know question and answer, gave some information. And then the next day, one of the agents from my um, brokerage called and said that she had taken my advice um, when this male had called her that day to say, Hey, I need you to come list my property. Can you come over and meet with me? So she took his information. Uh, she Googled him and found out that this fellow had just been released from prison for murdering his ex-girlfriend. And so she called me and she said, what should I do? And I said, well, now you have the ability to make an informed decision about what you want to do. This guy might just need to sell his house. It might not be anything nefarious at all, but now you can choose how to, to address it, you know, to not take this business, to have the guy come into the office and meet with you and another senior agent, you know, to pass it on or just, you know, to walk away in general, but you have the ability to make choices before anything. And, you know, that was enough for me to be, think like the beacon, the flashing beacon was like, okay, we need, this right. really needs yeah. to be, and, and again, this guy might not have meant anything by it, but at the same time, it's, there's a few flags flying. 
and we need to listen to our our red flags. Yeah. No, I the business sometimes conditions us to care more about the potential of the money as opposed to anything else, right? And so uh, having been in real estate for a while, you kind of seen that trend, right? Whether it's safety, you know, you can branch on social responsibility as well. You know, we're not conditioned to sort of see, see those firsthand. It's more, more the time, it's always the, you know, hey, there's a sale waiting for you. There's an opportunity and it may not come by again. So you need to jump on it. And that may very well be the case, but I think negating the fact that safety or other measures should be in place to ensure that the sale or the transaction actually comes to fruition and you actually earn a living from it. You know, it is equally important. If not, I, I would argue it's probably more important. Uh, the sale will always come one way or the other. Uh, your life may not be, the life of your client, as you mentioned earlier, may not be something you will, you know, I would never gamble upon this, right? So, you know, money yeah, can... it's, money is there. Money, and there's going to be another deal. And there's there's enough business for everybody out there. There's some, you know, teams and brokerages that make more of it. Sure. But that's also an opportunity for you as well. So, you know, if if you ask a couple questions and you take a few minutes, you'll learn whether it's legitimate business or not. Yeah. And so nobody wants to waste their time regardless, but you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's illegitimate business, then, you know, you've already wasted your time anyways. So just take that, take the yeah. five minutes or 15 minutes and a schedule. A, I always schedule a call with people no matter what, and just hear their voices, ask a few questions, find out if they're going to waste my time, find <laughs> out if they're creepers, find out what they need and what, how I can help them best. You know, there's all different scenarios out there but um you know it's it's just a good way to you know to get the feel for what the situation is and one of the biggest things that people ignore and maybe it comes more as you get older but listening to your intuition if you have if there are red flags out there it's they're there for a reason so don't don't ignore it don't you know just think okay well it's fine. It's fine. This would be okay. Sure. Yeah. Intuition is there for a reason. Our spidey senses. And uh, are you, look at you bringing Spider-Man into this. Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I love it. Um, give me two questions that you ask and that those are like anchor questions for you to be like, okay, depending on the answer to this, right. I, I may make an informed decision whether or not to continue with this particular prospect? Yeah. One of the, so my one question has two parts. I, I say, how did, how did you find me? Like what, how did you learn about me as a, as an agent and why do you want to work with me? So I ask those two. Um, and that's usually once I had been talking to him just for a couple of minutes and I say, I always ask this of everybody. So I know where, you know, people learn about me and that, and that's, um, what I start with. And then I usually will ask about the area of their interest. So what is it about this area that attracts you and learn about their lifestyle and, or they have to give me their top three most important things. Mm -hmm. Lifestyle wise. I don't care about the house. The houses are houses. They don't, they don't matter, but 
it's that'll come with it. But I usually sure. ask about their their life and their lifestyle. Um, and by then I usually have a decent feel as to, you know, the legitimacy, um, and whether or not I need to go deeper with them or not. Mm. That, that's great. I need to start using that on my children. <laughs> maybe they'll follow, you know, maybe they'll, they'll learn something. Um, and so speaking of which, like when it comes to safety too, as an agent, what should we stop doing? Right, um, that we're doing right now, and you're like, guys, we should really shy away from doing these things when it comes to safety. Two things that come to my mind: quit rushing. We've kind of talked about that already. Slow it down. So don't stop rushing, and stop documenting your minute by minute life on social media. As to oh, <laughs> no, oh, this is where I'm headed. Come. <laughs> Come meet me there. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's appropriate. Maybe it's not. Right. But what what are you, what types of things are you saying about yourself on social media? How are you portraying yourself? Whether it's professional, is it professional? Is it personal? Are you out at the club? That's not about real estate. You can talk about a great nightclub that, or if people, if you're young and moving to the area, this is a great place to hang out. You don't need to show yourself in your little skirt or your, mm. you know, your tight shirt or whatever it is at the club drinking, you know, it's just about how you portray yourself. Um, and even I'm even against honestly signs, um, with photos on them, like putting, because if somebody oh, wants to, yeah. I, I am, and it's not, I mean, every, and it has to be personal for people, but I know, before I got into real estate, I know a couple male friends that hired agents just based on their appearance. And they may have been good agents, but they were also beautiful women. And these guys were hiring them just based on their appearance. And I know there's been a number of, of like homicides in relation to real estate agents because of perception of and how we're showing ourselves out there. So it's not saying that's not to be a scare tactic. It's just take a minute and, ass- and assess what you're trying to portray yeah. um, to the world. And it's okay to, to dress nice and, and be attractive and look nice and take care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, ha- putting a strict line between professional and personal. And there's a big section that we talk about in this real estate course, the safety course, about um internet and social media you know i think i was during the during covid i did an open house and i should have known better but it was all when virtual houses virtual open houses were a thing and i started doing them right away um because you need to get these properties listed and no one's out moving around looking at them so i would right. do virtual open houses but i did a live one a live feed one day and then i just stopped myself after about 10 minutes and realized that i was showing where I was at this particular moment in time, all by myself in this remote location of this house. Um, and anybody could <laughs> come and get me, not that anybody's after me, but you know, I just thought to myself, it was a sort of a realization, like, what am I, yeah. why am I putting myself alone at this location? There's no reason for me to be doing this. Um, so that was a bit of a, a wake up as well. And we do need to be mindful of, of that. You mentioned the, you know, and something you said earlier, the not rushing. I think, you know, the, the urgency of now and the, the fear of the transaction moving away, I think, you know, partially conditioned most of us to approach things 
in a very rapid way as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like just take the moment to stop, right? I feel like I have that conversation with my boys just about every single day. Uh, it's like, you don't need to rush. Just take the time to do it properly. Um, the outcome is, you know, perhaps better if you do it, you know, slow and steady as opposed to rushing to something. And, you know, you're, bound, you're always bound to make mistakes. And I think, you know, more or less back to the basics for agents also to remember, right? To your point, it's it's not worth the rush. It's not worth the, you know, the attention. Um, and that's the social media piece, right? Like you want to show people that you do the business. And, you know, sometimes you have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, I wish my entire audience was, you know, all well and well-meaning, but there are people there who are just waiting for an occasion to to do some things that, you know, will jeopardize my safety. And I need to be mindful of that. Um, so I, I love your approach to this. Yeah. And we, and even, I mean, not that this is about realtor safety, but I mean, even wasting your time, if you take five minutes, you might learn that you don't want to spend any more time with these people, even if they're not there for a, a, a purpose. Um, I had people visiting this summer and they were referred to by a friend and they just actually wanted to look at properties and make offers as something to do on their summer vacation. But I didn't realize it until it was too late. And I was like, Oh, I could have taken a little more time at the beginning and flushed this out, really flushed it out with them. And I would have not wasted so much time in my summer, you know, just for their tourist Mm. (laughs) needs. And so it, it does, even if it's not a, something, a safety issue. It's also just, you know, putting out some boundaries and using your time wisely. Cause I'm sure we'd all be rather be with our families or yeah. out you know, at a restaurant or hiking or doing something that we enjoy doing, not working. So let's work with the people that we want to work with and that want to work with us as well. Yeah. And I think it just diminishes the risk for, you know, yeah. crazy things to happen. That's so right. we're getting close to our end. I have one more question for you, Shannon. And this is the million dollar question, right? So get ready for this because it's it's really hard one. Sounds so, big. <laughs> yeah, prepare yourself. What should real estate professionals start doing today to keep themselves safe? I think that we have talked about it, but s- slow it down and take the f- take a few minutes to get to know who you're with and who you're about to be with. Um, that is that is number one, and most of the time those that are in it for the wrong reasons will just wander away and bother somebody else um, because they have taken the time to ask a question. That would be the first thing I would recommend is just slow it down and do a bit of due diligence with people right away. And the other one is really like a situational awareness. Know your situation, know where you're going, who you're with, Again, it is a little bit of work, but not that much because we all have pocket rocket launchers <laughs> that we can look anything <laughs> up. Right. Our, you know, yeah. And so we can take a few minutes to to be aware of our situation. And the course I teach is uh, there's a huge section on situational awareness and how to be prepared, but have a bit of a plan. Shannon, I can't thank you enough for your time, for the insights. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for sharing your recommendations. Thank you for um, just being willing of, you know, to teach us on how to remain safe in our profession. So and with that, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes, perhaps at the conference in Vegas next year. Oh, absolutely. Until then. 
Cheers. Hey, lovely to meet you. Thank you.